Welcome back to Netflix and Chilled Beer, the podcast that pairs beer with movies and then discusses both. I'm Zach. And I'm Richard. And today we watched The Fairley Brothers Fever Pitch with Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. Uh, we watched that because The Fairley Brothers also directed last episode's Osmosis Jones that we talked about. Which um, two completely different movies. I would say. Very, very, very different. Um, so this movie is about uh, the Red Sox, basically, and, uh, and it's a rom-com with... I mean, the Red Sox has the background, right? They're at Fenway, they're in Boston. Uh, Jimmy Fallon loves the Red Sox um, to a point where like, it makes all other relationships really difficult in this life. So because of this synopsis of the movie, we chose the two beers that we drank today. Number one, we started with the Salty Lady, which is a Goza from Martin House out of Fort Worth. And uh, we did that because... Baseball can be a salty lady, you know, just a real salty biatch. Especially if you like the Red Sox, apparently. Apparently, and the Cubs up until last year. So, <laughs> uh, so we did that. We started with the salty lady, and then we moved on to, uh, we did the Love Struck Hefeweizen, which is out of San Antonio, uh, Ranger Creek. Um, we did that because, uh, well, because it's a rom-com, so there yeah. is love in this movie. I mean, whether it be cheesy or not, there is quote-unquote love in this movie. Um, there is real love in the Red Sox fans, but also <laughs> Drew and Jimmy. Um, and then it's the love struck. This guy struck out, you know. Uh, the Red Sox struck out a lot that year, but not at the very end of it. So, yeah, so that's what we did today. That's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, I guess we'll get started first with our general recommendations of the movie. So, Richard, I will ask you this like I ask you every week. Would you recommend this movie? <laughs> I think I know the answer, but would you recommend this movie? Well, first and foremost, I should probably say that I am not the best person to ask about rom-coms. That's just not my style. You should be proud of that. Yeah. So with that in mind, no, I would definitely not recommend this movie. Um, I, there were a lot of like stereotypical rom-com things about it, so I don't know if that means that it was a good rom-com because it did everything that all the other rom-coms do, or if it was just a bad rom-com, and that's so, it. So, I think you have to think about it from, like, the rom-com uh, categorical perspective, right? Like, in the in the you know perspective of all the rom-coms that are out there, where would this rank for you? And I would have to say that, like, it would rank pretty high because... Uh, of I am, baseball. Because of baseball. I'm a baseball <laughs> fan, and, like, I mean, it, it happened to be they made this movie the year that the Red Sox actually beat the curse, right? They actually won the World Series this year after 87, 90 years, since 1918, right? So they, from 1918 to 2004, they had not won a World Series. And this year they filmed this movie, uh, they happened to win the World Series, so they used a lot of, like, actual footage. So I think that if, if someone was like, hey, you know... Your girlfriend wants you to watch a rom-com, uh, and you like baseball, you should go ahead and pitch, fever pitch. <laughs> ah, you see what I did there? No, because at least they show, like, actual footage of the, they show actual footage of the Red Sox, like, it's kind of relatable if you're a dude who really likes sports or follows the team, um, really closely, so it at least has that aspect in it, as opposed to, like, The Notebook, which is just, like, I mean, the most, I mean, that's probably considered one of the best rom-coms of all time. I'm throwing up air quotes here. But, like, 
this has a little bit of something for the dudes, you know, so. Yeah, and n- knowing of that kind of historical context, like, that was pretty cool. It was cool to see the actual footage, and that made me appreciate it more for sure. But at the end of the day, I just didn't feel like there was a lot of chemistry between Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. <laughs> and I didn't really like either of their characters, to be honest. Like, they... They kind of were like, hey, here's some like good traits about them, and then they force-fed you some bad traits. And it was like the good traits weren't that great, and the bad traits were, I don't know. I just didn't like either of them. Yeah. I mean, this was definitely like pre-Jimmy getting – I mean, I feel like Jimmy is kind of like one of the more attractive guys in Hollywood right now, or Hollywood, New York, like the entertainment industry. This is still when he was like nappy-headed – SNL rough, you know, ruffian who had just left SNL to figure out his own thing way before he had his own Tonight Show, um, and I think he was still like figuring out like who the Jimmy Fallon character was, right? Like that type yeah, of personality. Yeah, this, but this was not. This was Jimmy Fallon trying to play a different person. This wasn't. I mean, it still felt like Jimmy Fallon, though. Well, yeah, but that's my point. Is that it was just Jimmy Fallon? Like, I'm pretty sure Drew. What we saw was what a girl who actually dates Jimmy Fallon would go through. Yeah. Like, a bunch of, like, cheesy ridiculousness that happens at the worst times. Yeah. Um, so, I just, I don't know. I don't I don't think he's a good actor in this aspect. I think he's good for live stuff. I think that he's very mm-hmm. charming in those His, situations. Yeah. But I don't think him in front of a movie camera is that great. Yeah. Okay, so... I guess back to the question, would you or would you not recommend this if someone said that you need to pick a rom-com? No, I, no. Would, I would not pick this one. Okay. So beers. Yeah, so let's talk about the beers. So the first one we started to, started with this was the Salty Lady. Yep. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, you you hear a lot of good beer names where, you know, you, you hear it and you're like, oh, yeah, that I think that, that, that adequately describes the beer that I'm about to drink, right? Like, um... You know, this this makes me think of uh, of the of the type of beer or the flavor in the beer, or whatnot, and it's usually pretty good. But I think the Salty Lady, more so than any other beer I've ever had, freaking hits the nail on the head. This beer, it's a salty tart gosa. So it they actually put in real salt and they put in coriander to give it this like almost super citrusy tart. I mean, it's just salty, right? Like, it's so, a hold up there. So, what is a gosa? Because this was my first time that I heard of it. Uh, I'm sure that there are other people out there that don't know what we're saying right now. Mm-hmm. I think that if you like, the easiest way to describe it for someone who's you know just kind of recently getting into the craft beer scene, it'd be the kind of the closest between like a saison and a sour. So it's going to have some tartness. It's going to use. It's going to be light in color generally. Um, it's going to take really well to different uh, flavor profiles that you can add to it. Peaches. There's been a big push on black currants, like Ooh, black currant berries, okay. um, blackberries, uh, pineapples, and stuff like that. But it's really light. Um, it's kind of got like a tartness to it. Mm-hmm. But I would say that it's closest to a Saison, which is kind of like a wheat beer, but that's a bad description. That's <laughs> everyone that's right. listening, everyone that's listening that knows anything about craft beer is like, this guy's an idiot. I'm done listening. But no, I, it's a tough beer to describe, but I would say that they're generally really light. They're generally really refreshing, okay. but they do have some tartness to it. Yeah. Uh, and this one more so than others. Are they all salty like this? No. Or this no. was like a special thing that was added to it. Yeah. They okay. specifically added salt to make it super salty, but you know, I think that I, you know, online the Martin House Brewery describes it as something almost like an energy drink flavor, 
Yeah, that's also. I mean, <laughs> it's got like an energy drink refreshness to it. I say, like, if I'm out playing golf or out on the soft, you know, the slow pitch softball field, and it's 100 degrees, like it gets down here in Texas, this beer sounds really good to me. Okay, so we started with that one. What did you think about the Salty Lady? So, like I said, this was my first kind of interaction with a Goza, which for those at home that are idiots about beer like me, uh, that's G-O-S-E, which is Goza, not Goes or Ghosts or however I wanted to pronounce it originally. Um, I think I said Ghosts for the first time. Okay. I, mean, I, I, I didn't know. That makes me feel better. Yeah. Uh, I actually liked it. Like, I mean, it's not something that I would have enjoyed if I just picked it up. You said, here's a beer, drink this beer. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have to know what you're getting into before you drink it. Like, someone's got to tell you, hey, this is going to be different. This is going to be a little bit salty, but it's also going to be – there was, like, some, like, citrus in there. Like, yeah. it was kind of, like, lemony. You know like who's Salty lemony? You know who's telling you that? Martin House in the name. Uh, okay. I mean, the salty lady's telling you it's going to be salty. Yeah, but I guess – yeah, I'm not used to, to beers being that on the nose with their with their mm. naming. <laughs> True. Um, but, no, I liked it. The, the aroma of it kind of made me apprehensive. Because when I first smelled it, like, you definitely get that salt. It, it smells a little sweet as well. But there's also this weird I, – I can't – I don't know how to describe it, but it doesn't smell great. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I tasted it, I was like, oh, that's actually pretty good. Like you said, that's refreshing. Mm-hmm. There is a little bit of saltiness on the on the back end, but it's kind of like uh, like drinking a margarita with salt. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. it reminded me that's of. Yeah, that's a really good – I think that's a really good like, description of the, te- of, the, of the saltiness. Yeah. I, I agree. Right? Like you get a little bit off the rim – Gives you the salty flavor, but without like, remember those, remember those things when we were kids and they were like the little salt cans that you oh, get the, the Lucas or the whatever? Lucas, yes. Like, it's not like that bad. <laughs> yeah. You'd put it in like the little uh, crevice of your tongue oh, and lick man. it over your hand and lick it off and yeah. then you would like straight pucker face for five minutes afterwards. And no, it's I'm a... sure that was really healthy for us as kids, by the <laughs> way. Like, Lucas, I think back and I go in, I go in like gas stations now and I still see it there and I think, why the hell? Did my parents ever buy me this shit? Yeah. Like, what is what is Lucas? I don't I don't know. I mean, it's just salt in the can, basically. It's, yeah, it's salt, a candy salt, I guess. That sounds like why America's fat, probably. Yeah. Which welcome, welcome to that, youth. Who your was that even mar- marketed to though? Because that seems like something you would have with like a margarita or something. So how did we as kids know about this? How did we get this stuff? Was it specifically for? Is it like, hey, here's candy? I don't know. Probably some cool kid in school like found or stole some at the gas station because it's always right there by the register. So he yeah. pocketed it and brought it, and he was a cool kid. So um, everyone else needed it, right? So uh, that's how all things like that start. You know that warheads, those damn cool kids, those damn. Cool but at least warheads were like that was legit candy. Like there's no other area of your life where you would say, "Hey, I I'm gonna eat a warhead with this beer." Like. That's, that's not a thing. Ooh, a Warhead beer? That sounds... That does sound good, though. Now, okay. I take it back. You know what? Yeah, we'll go with the cool kid. So, we're getting off topic. Uh, Love Struck cool. Hefe. Yeah. Hefeweizen. The Hefeweizen from Ranger Creek out in San Antonio. So, so how'd, you, how'd you feel about that one? You know, I feel like... And actually, I'm still working on mine right now. But uh, I feel like for the style, so it's supposed to be like a German Hefeweizen, which is like Bavarian in Bavarian Germany... It's like very much like a breakfast beer. Very, it's filling. Oh, is and, that what it's for? Yeah, like okay. that's what they drink with breakfast. That you know, because in Munich, you can drink one liter of beer without it being considered 
alcohol consumption, the first liter of beer you drink on a day in a day is considered food consumption. Why is that? Because of the yeast and the barley and, and everything that's added into it, they consider it food consumption. So you go to lunch, you have a liter of beer, and your employer can't say anything about it. Um, and that's really? why... Yeah, yeah. That's, we should do that. Yeah, uh, yeah America, <laughs> Trump, listen up. We need breakfast beer. We need liters um, of beer consumption without getting in trouble from work. But that'll um, be a good way to, to segue into the metric system too. Like, hey, you get liter of beer. Figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah, if you want to drink it, you figure it out. You know, I think we should also be on metric system also. But that's that would go to send me down a dangerous rabbit hole. So let's <laughs> not discuss the metric system. And uh, Celsius versus Fahrenheit, because <laughs> I have very distinct opinions on that. But, um, no, so I think that they do a good job. I mean, it's never a beer that I am going to go out and search. And, like, I'm never going to crave a Hefeweizen. Um, unless maybe I'm in Munich and I'm having, you know, uh, breakfast. Schnitz, I'm having schnitzel <laughs> for breakfast and uh, white sausage in a bowl of, you know, boiling water. Uh, that sounds good then, but, like, here in here in Texas... Uh, I would never really go for it, but I like it for the style. Like, it definitely smells banana. Like, it's, it, the aroma is very banana-y. Um, I don't know, like, the proper language for banana-y. I don't know if that's a word, but you get the banana aroma um, yeah, up front. Yeah, now that I know that, I, I do kind of smell it a little bit. Yeah. But it's uh, also kind of, I don't know, I, don't, I wouldn't say citrusy. But no. There, there's maybe, like, orange or something in there. I don't really know. There's like cloves in mm. these. In these, I think that, that must be getting it, the cloves flavor. Yeah, there's some sort of spice that I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, and it's really cloudy, which I like. I feel like the cloudier mm. the, a hefeweizen is, the more true to the style it is. But mm. uh, definitely was, dense, like you were saying. Yeah, it feels. It, I mean, it, and it tastes like it would go fairly well with a breakfast. You know. Yeah. Um, it's still good. I think it's still kind of light, even though it is dense, which I guess is an oxymoron. But like I. I I wouldn't say it's refreshing, but it's definitely not unrefreshing. Mm -hmm. I like it. It's yeah. good. And I was reading online that um, they, the Ranger Creek actually altered their water in San Antonio, Texas to make the, uh, the water profile similar to that in Munich, um, where they make the style of beer to like try to make it a little more true style. So I don't really know what kind of a difference that makes, but I appreciate the effort. Yeah. Uh, you know, E for effort, Ranger <laughs> Creek. I appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know how it would taste without doing that, but this this turned out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we drank those beers. So now we can talk about this interesting hour and 45 minutes, hour and a half that we just spent watching yeah. Fever Pitch together. Two dudes watching rom-com so we're doing this for you listeners so just to try to try you're, to broaden our scope of discussions you're welcome yeah um you're so welcome i think that we probably we love you guys yeah more than drew barrymore loves jimmy fallon true first off let's talk about drew barrymore because i want to talk about drew barrymore because <laughs> i, bet you I think that she is she is a perplexing woman and i'll tell you why because half the time i think she is unbelievably attractive Right? Like, I think that she is this, like, very, like, approachable, uh, just well-put-together, attractive woman. And then other times, I think she is just kind of a dog. You know? <laughs> like, I don't mean that. In, but I don't... I, I guess I could have used better words than that. But sometimes she's just really not attractive. And I think that this movie... I think that generally, there's... In one movie, she's probably really attractive, like Charlie's Angels. 
right? And then in another movie, she's just not even close to being attractive. Fifty first dates, right? Mm. So those two movies are kind of how I think her career goes. She's either super hot in a movie or not. This movie, like, I felt like it went back and forth within the movie. You know, like, up front, first part of the movie, I did not think she was attractive at all. Then when she kind of got into the Red Sox and was being more, like, sportsy and wearing t-shirts and her hair up, I kind of found her attractive again. And then... So you know what I think it is? And this is something I wanted to bring up. I noticed that... So like I said, the 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 chemistry between the two wasn't that great. On top of that, like... Just the dialogue and everything, just nothing was that great about their interactions except for when they were at the games. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason for that is because it just seemed like they were having a good time. And Mm -hmm. like you said, they were actually filming those as these games were going on. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing that the, like the energy and the, the atmosphere was kind of like helping them just like be fun. Yeah. And you didn't really get that when it was just the two of them, like. In Central Park, or not Central Park, but whatever park is in Boston. Like Cambridge or something. Yeah, like yeah. when they were alone in their apartment, like you didn't have that energy. Like they were just kind of going through the motions. So maybe that's it. Maybe you like true Drew Barrymore just kind of like having a good time, not worrying about anything. Maybe. Or maybe just like the simple kind of sporty Drew Barrymore in the t-shirt with her hair pulled up. Like not trying to doll up because I don't think she dolls up well, but I think that like the girl next door vibe she puts off when she does that is more attractive um, to me right but anyway so i think that this hits her uh ebbs and and valleys um more so about her attractiveness to me so all right so what about jimmy fallon then if we're gonna go if we're gonna talk about drew well i love jimmy fallon today uh i think that he is hilarious multi-talented attractive man you know, doing well on the late night. I think he'll probably host that Tonight Show for the next 30 years because he's really good. I think he does a really good job, and he's got a good following. But um, this movie was not his best work. I'm really glad that he did this movie, and he did – what's the one he did with Queen Latifah? Was it Taxi? Yeah. Or whatever, Taxi Driver or something? I think it was just Taxi. Those were No, two. Taxi – never mind. Yeah, sorry. Keep going. He is not a movie star. No, and I think that's okay. Yeah, it's perfectly fine. This is acceptable, Jimmy. I'm not mad at you, okay? (laughs) He found his niche in late night TV. Yeah, and SNL he was great. I mean, I loved him in SNL. I know a lot of people gave him shit because he laughed in every sketch. But I think like we were talking about before we started recording, that's that's like kind of the allure of Jimmy Fallon, right? Like you know that he's going to be honest. And that, I think, I feel like that adds to his charisma as well. Like, you're just like, oh, Jimmy. and I Jimmy's laughing again. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that in this movie. Like, I, I didn't like him. Yeah, he was a weird dude. I mean, he, like, his bedroom, his whole apartment in this movie is just, it honestly looks like a Red Sox gift shop. Uh, I think Drew said that at one point, and I was like, that is an accurate description of what his room looks like. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's Red Sox bed sheets, Red Sox pillows. Red Sox, he's got a Red Sox baseball mitt is his phone, um, his, you know, a Red Sox baseball is his alarm clock, he's got pictures of, um, you know, Ted Williams and Carly Stremski, and he's got one whole, one whole wall in his living room is done up like the green monster with the scoreboard on it, and, uh, the foul pole, and, I mean, it's nuts, I mean, it kind of looks awesome from, like, <laughs> for, if I was 11 again, I would be like, <laughs> 
dude, I got to have this room. This room is awesome. I need my house to be decorated like this, but for the Texas Rangers. I mean, I liked him. I mean, I don't know. So my, he's a teacher in this movie, and they just played up the like cool teacher aspect way too much for me. But he didn't even come off as a cool teacher. He well, he was like throwing footballs in the hallway, like as like crowded hallways. He was like uh, making jokes in front of the kids at like the principal's expense or whatever. It was just like, dude, you're kind of being a dick. Yeah, like you're undermining all these people just to try to look cool in front of these ninth graders. Yeah, like what are you doing? True, he's a math so, teacher too. So how cool can you be? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I don't know. So there's that. There's the fact that. So the first time, the first date that he and Drew Barry, actually, you know, let's go back even further. The first time that the two of them meet, the way that they meet is that he is on this like field trip with four kids and he's a geometry teacher, ninth grade geometry teacher. And he's going to this like mathematician, like data analysis so, yeah, it's like an analyst business yeah. and just walking up to some woman in, who has got an office and saying like, Hey kids, look what she does. What? Uh, he called a, that. He called ahead, Richard. They knew oh, he was coming. Okay, I knew sorry. he was coming. So that's how the, the two of them meet, and then the they, first date is ridiculous. There's not a single human being on Earth that would do what Jimmy did on the first. Yeah. Date. So the first date, he he's like, "Hey, go out with me." She's like, "Oh, I don't know." First off, her friends go go back to her, and they're like, "Oh, you should date him." Because you're almost 30 and you're not married yet. What are you doing? You have no hope. You might as well go for this guy. Okay, cool. Great. Good job, friends. So she agrees to go out with him. He shows up at her apartment to pick her up and she's like literally puking. Yeah, she's got food poisoning apparently. She went out to eat and now she's just vomiting everywhere. And I think at first he thinks she's faking, which I guess I kind of would too. Because in this movie she is like way out of his league. Yeah, and he's a teacher, and they kind of address that. So instead of saying, like, oh, crap, I'm so sorry, you know, I'll come back later, or we'll talk when you feel better, he he comes into her apartment as she's at the toilet puking, and then carries her to bed, undresses her. Puts her in a... Makes a, a joke about seeing her naked. Like, who? what kind of woman is fantasizing about this? About, oh, there's this guy who is basically a stranger who I've met one time... Mm -hmm. And now he's seen me naked and is joking about it. But he's taking care of me. Yeah, but he's a teacher. He's trustworthy. I don't I don't get it. Like, where's the wish fulfillment? Well, and then he proceeds to uh, clean her toilet, brush her dog's teeth, mop the floors. like all And this, crash on the couch. And crash on the couch, right? Like, it's really creepy. They don't know each other at all. No. I mean, teachers are... I would say that teachers are generally trustworthy, right? Like, they're around kids all the time. If someone said they were a teacher, I'm like, okay. I mean, I trust you. Like, Would you, you trust know. them to no. see you naked and crash on your couch? Negative. Okay. Negative. Okay. I mean, it's it's weird. It's weird. But, of course, that's endearing to Drew Barrymore is in this romantic comedy where they end up together. And see, Spoiler that's alert. why I think this is a bad romantic comedy because there's things that are happening that no one would actually do. Like, I understand that... You know, rom-coms and action movies are kind of the same level of wish fulfillment. Like, rom-coms for girls, action movies for guys. Like, John Wick, there's no way any of that would actually happen. But, like, it's still a fun movie. This, like, I don't know, maybe I'm just not a girl and so I don't know, like, what buttons this button this movie should be pushing for me. But it's not, like, I, I don't even see what girls would like about this. Well, because, like, 
I think like you said earlier, I think you hit on it that yeah. neither of these characters are extremely endearing. Right? Like there's not there's not a ton that you're just there's not a real reason why you're really rooting for them other than they're pushing 30 and not married and I mean, but I kind of oh think that gosh. it's not like neither of these neither of these people need to get married sometime soon. It, you, you know, you don't have this like rooting for either of them because Jimmy Fallon's a weirdo crazy person about the Red Sox and Drew's working all the time, which is a hundred percent fine because she's progressing her career. She's up for a promotion. Like, Hey, like you do you for a little while, you know I mean? 30s, 30s, the new 20. Right. Well, apparently back in 2005, it wasn't 2004. No. 2004 was when the Red Sox won the world series. Okay. Well, uh, let's go back to the whole 30 thing. Cause that was another big driving plot point was, uh, Drew Barrymore's friends, you know, she, uh, brings Jimmy Fallon over to meet them for the first time. And so she kind of like goes, takes them to the side and she's like, Hey, what do you guys think? And all of them are like, Oh, he seems really nice. And then there's this one girl that's like, Oh, but he's not 22 and he's not married yet. So what the hell's wrong with him? Uh, obviously everything. He's a murderer. Okay. That's fine. But she's also not 22 and she is also not married. So like, why why is this coming up? Why is this a plot point? So you're basically saying that why, you know, it's basically, you're basically saying that there's a reason why your friend is not married, right? So by her saying, by Drew's friend saying that about the guy Drew is dating, she's in effect saying it about Drew, Drew Barrymore, like, oh, well, there's a reason why you're not married because you're 30. Right. Which, come to think of it, this girl was kind of a bitch she ends up punching one of the other friends later on in the movie so maybe maybe they knew exactly what like maybe the writers knew exactly what they were doing and they were just building her up to be this like kind of like undercutting bitch of a character yeah she's like the uh i mean as, as she's like as much of an antagonist as i guess they have in this movie right like i guess the antagonist really in this movie is kind of the couple themselves so drew and jimmy right because they kind of do things that are not compromising enough to really you know, to, to drive a wedge in the relationship. So, like, I feel like Drew's friend is kind of the biggest. Drew's friend and her husband, who tries to buy the tickets off of Jimmy, those are the two like real antagonists. Yeah, I guess, that's right? true. So yeah. Maybe that, that maybe that's what that character was doing was trying to add like drama where drama didn't even need to be right added. But let's talk about. I want to. I, I guess I don't understand the season ticket situation right so in this movie jimmy fallon has been passed down season tickets to the red sox um that are i think like 10 rows behind home plate 15 feet from the red sox dugout basically like ten thousand dollar tickets i would assume they're no less than ten thousand dollars right so his like per ticket or the season tickets like the season tickets okay. probably ten to fifteen thousand dollars if i were to guess um because they are freaking amazing seats and so his uncle left them to him. Okay, again, we're going to say this and not mean anything to teachers, but he's a teacher living in Boston, one of the most expensive cities in the United States. Um, and he's, he's spending, I mean, at this point, he's spending like a quarter of his salary on these season tickets every year. Um, he loves them socks. I mean, that's insanity to me. And then he still has enough money to decorate his apartment, like the Fenway gift shop. I don't know if that part's crazy. I just don't understand. I, I mean, so I had a 20 game season ticket pass one year to the Rangers, to the Texas Rangers. And, um, 
you know, I thought, okay, 20 games, that's really not that many. There's 162 games. Let's say they pay, they play 85 of them here in the ballpark in Arlington. Uh, you, you know, that's not that many that I really have to go to. Oh my God. <laughs> I think I actually made it to maybe 10. I think, I think, I think I made it to 10 of the 20, sold the other 10 or just gave them away or just didn't get rid of them because they were playing like terrible teams or something. They really weren't that great they, this year. And it was like the most difficult thing I ever had to do. I think to sell them? No, to just oh, like just, to, just go. to go. Yeah, I mean, there's so many games. So many. And I love baseball, but it's like when there's a 605 game and it's way outside of Dallas, maybe at Fenway it's a little bit easier because Fenway's right in downtown. So you can just hop on the T line or the green line. I don't remember which one's in Boston. You can hop on the trolley. Get to get to get to Fenway, and it's a little bit easier. And they don't, and they play at seven oh five there instead of six oh five, because it's the East Coast. Mm. So maybe it's a little easier. Yeah, I I don't know. I still think I'll it, digress from it. Would be yeah, it's way too hard to do that when they're playing what three to four games a week. Yeah, well, yeah, it depends on if they're on a home stand. I mean, they're playing. You know, they could play ten straight games at home. You know, over a fourteen game or fourteen day span. Um, and that's a lot. That's nuts to me. I don't understand how they do it. Well, and I mean, like, how, it, like the players or the people going to the games. Well, the players do it because they get paid millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. But as a fan, yeah, it's tough. Like season ticket holders to me, like, applause. I applaud anyone that's listening that's a, a baseball season ticket holder because that is an impressive feat if you actually attend the majority of the games cuz they made it seem like Jimmy attends he hasn't missed a game in 20 years yeah which i mean the season goes from april to september at the earliest that is whew, that's crazy <laughs> sorry I, I got on a rant away from the movie more about like i guess a plot a plot no aspect of the movie that's fine i i'm yeah, I'm glad that I had that context at least because I I knew nothing. I know nothing about baseball. I guess I know more now. That's one good thing that came out of the movie. There you, you go. Would call it good. Yeah. <laughs> so you did recommend the movie though. So what aside from the baseball stuff, what was it that you liked about the movie? Uh, that's it. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying if you're going to have to watch a rom com, and this I guess I'm speaking primarily to 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 the guys out there. If you're going to have to watch a rom com. I think a rom-com that has something in it that you're uh, interested in. And this one's cool to me because I look back and think about in 2004 when the Red Sox broke the curse. And they actually, like in the movie, they show clips. So in the American League Championship game that year, or American League Championship Series, the best of seven series, uh, the Yankees were up three games to none. So the Yankees only had to win one more game. And the Red Sox would have to win four straight games in order to advance to the World Series. And they did it that year, which is like the first time it's ever happened in Major League Baseball history. It's insane that it happened. Um, and they actually, you know, used that in this film. So it's kind of a cool little, I don't know. Like for me, it's interesting and it makes me appreciate it. And so that's why I would recommend it. But yeah, really, that's probably, well, that's it, honestly, that's about it. It was really cool because they won the series that year too, right? Yeah. So at the, at the end credits, like you see kind of shots of Boston, you know, these panning shots with just people everywhere celebrating their, their balls off. And I'm assuming, balls off. I'm assuming that's what, like they got that footage from mm -hmm. when they won the series. So that was cool. That was fun to me. Yes. But the movie sucked. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, they had just like a lot of random things in there that just didn't make any sense. Like at one point when uh, Jimmy's really upset because Drew dumped him. Uh, so he's like, you know, lounging around his house with tinfoil over his windows to keep the light out. He's watching the Buckner game where Buck, uh, Billy Buckner let the ball go between his legs at first place and they or at first base and they lost the World Series because of it. Um, just like in this deep de- state of depression and his buddies come over and they pick him up and they're like, oh, come on, like you, you're getting up, like we're going to give you a shower and they put him in the shower and I don't know why, but all three of his buddies are washing him, scrubbing him, scrubbing him. And one of them, the anesthesiologist is apparently shaving his balls. It looks like he's jacking him off. Yeah. And then they even say like, why are you shaving my balls? And the guy goes, I don't know. And then they just left it at that. Like there was no other... Um, like homosexual references to the bald guy or no more like no anesthesiologist jokes about that. He was just, he was shaving Jimmy Fallon's balls and it made absolutely zero fucking sense. Yeah. The punchline was just, Hey, look, this dude is touching this other dude's balls. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) What? What? That was for the bros out there, guys. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, there were some good things I, I thought came out of the movie. Let's hear Um, it. So, first and foremost, I already kind of mentioned this, but the fact that it, they were just having a lot of fun at the games. Like, I, I enjoyed seeing that aspect of it. That felt pretty authentic, I would say. Yeah. The other thing was, apparently, Drew Barrymore can make a very good seagull noise. Yeah! Yeah, they could. That came out of nowhere. <laughs> yes, and I was very impressed by that also. Like, do you think that that was, like, one of the things she did as she was, like, auditioning, like, well, no, I guess she's been around since E.T., so maybe not. I was thinking maybe, like, she did that to kind of, like, set herself apart. She was like, hey, like, putting, like, oh, I'm a black belt on my resume. Like, oh, I can make a good seagull noise. Yeah. Just like, hey, look what I can do. Maybe Drew Barrymore's big enough at this point. She's just like, hey, I want to make my seagull noise. I figured out how to make <laughs> it. And they were like, we'll, we'll it. work it in. We'll I've figure it out. I've been on this thing for years. <laughs> It's That's finally ready to be unveiled. So endearing, Drew. Of course, busted out during this rom-com that you're a part of. No, it was really, really good. I think she did it like twice during the movie. Yeah. And it was very impressive. But that, that was it. Aside I like from that. Oh, no, go ahead. I liked, um, like the group of friends that set, that had also had season tickets that sat near Jimmy Fallon. Like, I thought they were pretty funny. Like, they had the couple... They had the guy and the woman who had been divorced for 20 years, but they still split the season yeah. tickets and come and sit next to each other every every day. Then they had, like I guess, the two lesbian couples, maybe, or maybe they're two girlfriends, like just like good girlfriends uh, that came, and one of them apparently lost like 200 pounds. Then you had the sponge guy who just like handed out <laughs> huge sponges to people. Like, it was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was pretty fun. That was funny. Also, when Drew Barrymore gets... Freaking rocked by that foul ball. Oh, God. I, that was the only time I laughed during that whole movie, but I cracked up. I think both of us laughed out loud. Yes. Like, that was... It was just perfect. You want to describe it? Yeah. So, she's sitting there. She's got a crazy tough deadline at her work, you know, just doing analysis and stuff. Yeah. So, she's got her laptop at the ball game. At the ball game. But not watching the ball game, sitting way too close to home plate to be doing that. Um, and so, Jimmy's up. Talking to, you know, he's getting a hot dog, I think. Yeah. And so she's working. There's no one watching the game. And uh, the guy the guy batting just, like, rocks this foul ball. Like, 
just rocket off the bat directly at Drew Barrymore. She's not looking. I mean, <laughs> but it was so well done. Like, it just hits her. And you, she, hear, like, you hear that thwack. Yes, you hear the sound. And I thought it was a pretty accurate sound. Um, and then she just, like, she doesn't make a noise. She just slumps down in her chair. Just goes completely limp. Yeah, it was so awesome. And then Jimmy turns around and doesn't see her. But the guy next to Drew had gotten the foul ball. So, I mean, at games, when someone gets a foul ball, you know, you just give high fives. You're like, woo, you got a foul ball. You got a souvenir. That's awesome. So he's, like, high-fiving. And then, you know, she's still just, like, completely concussed. <laughs> Way she's knocked out. She's down for the count. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then she's on ESPN later that night, and they show her um, just getting rocked. Um, that was pretty funny. Yeah, I liked that. Another thing I think that they did – well is i think that the like the arguments and stuff that that happen even though it's mainly about like baseball and stuff like those did seem like plausible or like organic like it seemed like an issue that you could actually deal with so when we're talking about addiction at any level not just like baseball but also like video games or like alcohol or drugs or like anything like i could see that coming in black tar heroin yeah like, I could see that having negative impacts on a, a relationship, and I think that the writers did a good job of showing it that way. I just think that it wasn't, like, the dialogue and everything around it was really bad. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, Drew Barrymore saying, like, hey, uh, you know, I'm fine with you liking this thing, and then saying, like, hey, now that you've dragged me to three games this week and I'm having to sacrifice my work, I'm not okay with it. Yeah. Like, I think that is very realistic. Yeah. I- but the ending of this movie was so terrible. There was no resolution. So the end of the movie... We're talking about they got together, bro. Oh, my God. No, but they just broke up for the same reason. Like, so they had just broken up because, uh, you know, they weren't giving up things, right? So Drew Barrymore's got her career, and Jimmy Fallon has the socks. And so at the climax of the movie, Jimmy is going to sign away his tickets... Um, because I don't know if it's because he thinks it's this like grand romantic gesture that, uh, Drew Barrymore is going to come back to him when she sees this. Well, he said, he said that every time he had to do it because he felt like, uh, going forward every time that he came to the game, he would think about what the game cost him, AKA Drew Barrymore. Okay. So he's going to give up these tickets. Drew Barrymore runs onto the field and gets chased down and, you know, manages to like, Get, find him just in the nick of time and say, like, don't sell your tickets, don't sell your tickets. And he says, no, 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 it's okay, I'm better now, I'm going to sell them and we don't have to worry about this. And she's like, no, 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 I love you enough not to have you sell your tickets. And then she rips up the contract. So now we're back to the point where he has these tickets and he really, really wants to go to these games Mm -hmm. and she's still working and I'm assuming that she is not going to give anything up because we haven't seen that in the movie. She She hasn't sacrificed anything. Yeah, she got the promotion but you just work harder when you get a promotion to get to the next promotion. Like, none of these, neither of these people has showed any, any change in their behaviors yet it's supposed to be happy because they get back together so they're now right back to where they were in the middle of the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They're just going to break up again. Yeah, but the season's no, almost the season's almost over, so it's almost winter time. Right, so they're okay for three months, and then it's going to be shitty again. Yeah, I don't know. Also, when she ran across the field, which is illegal, like it's actually like it's a crime, the cops are chase her down, and she makes it over to Jimmy, and they're about to arrest her, 
And she goes, hold on, just give me a minute. And the cops give her a minute. Oh, they give her like 10 minutes. What? No, you'd be face down in the dirt, arrested, probably tased. No, but Zach, 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 you missed it because she kissed the guy in the stands. So the cops have to back away once they see that happen. Oh, Because they know it's for true love. That's, a, that's one of the bylaws. So if you ever get in that situation, just kiss the first person you see and you should be good. Yeah. Right? We're, I think we're going to see an influx of, uh, of field runners this season because of this podcast, probably. I'm okay with that because I feel like that makes sports better. It, it makes baseball a little <laughs> more interesting. What would be even better is if they continued to play as these people were running around. Yeah, and then, you, oh, get, and then you get bonus points for hitting them? You get rocked. Are we creating a new sport right now? <laughs> it just sounds like just dodgeball, <laughs> kind of, like professional dodgeball. Yes. Dead, deadly dodgeball. Have you ever seen the, the clip of the pitcher who is, uh, I think, I don't remember who, which pitcher it was, Randy Johnson. Um, he's pitching in a game. And as he goes to throw the ball to home plate, you know, he throws 98 miles an hour. This fucking bird flies down and is flying across where he's throwing. He pitches and hits the bird and the bird explodes. <laughs> just dead. Death everywhere. There's just feathers. Just pure explosion. Holy that, crap. It's awesome. You should watch okay. the clip. It's pretty classic. All right. So that actually segues pretty pretty well into what I wanted to talk about at the end of the podcast. Uh, we actually have all of our social media stuff up and running full now, yeah. and we have a website. It's or actually it's just netflixandchilledbeer.com. There's no e in chilled, but uh, what we're doing now is we're actually um, kind of having a companion post. So every time we post a podcast, I'll put in you know links and you know pictures and stuff of things we discuss. So that video will definitely be in the links if I can find it. Yes. So you should go You can definitely find it. it. Yeah. Just, just type bird explodes Major League Baseball. <laughs> All right. Bird explosion. So uh, go to netflixandchilledbeer.com. Again, no E and chilled, and you'll be able to find it there. We also are um, trying to get our Twitter presence up, and that is going to be um, at NACBeer, N-A-C beer. And uh, also on Instagram, Facebook page. Uh, yeah, we got the whole shebang. SoundCloud. Yeah, which I think all the all of the links to each of those are in our profile on the website. So you can go there Perfect. to see, to see all of that. Maybe. On uh, Untapped, if you want to see what we're drinking in real time. Yeah, and we'll put a, like an actual rating. So generally, what we do is we try to meet in the middle of whatever the two of us uh, rate it. If I rate three point five and Richard says three point zero, we'll put it at three two five. In case you can't do math, that's that's, that's <laughs> meeting in the middle. Um, but yeah, so we're out there. Um, definitely, you know, want to hear from you guys. Po feel free to post on Facebook or reply to us on Twitter. Uh, if you have any questions about any of these podcasts, about what's coming up next, about you know things we've discussed in the past, if you have any suggestions, uh, I mean, we're definitely open to doing that um, and and hearing them out. Maybe we'll talk about it on the next podcast. So speaking of the next podcast. So next time, we're going to be watching Donnie Darko. <laughs> we're going to be following Drew Barrymore over into that, into, I guess, a... When was that one made? That Nin one was made late in... Late 90s? It came out. It was set to release in 2001. The oh. reason why I know that is because it was set to go to theaters in late September. Oh. But there was a plane crash. And the whole 9-11 thing. Yeah, so they just pulled it, and it went straight to DVD. But it, I think it kind of helped the allure. Uh, that's true. That's definitely more of a kind of like cult follower yeah. following movie. 
This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, this goes in generally whenever someone asks top five, this one is in there at some at some degree, varying degrees depending on how recently I've seen it. Uh, so I'm really really excited about this. All right, and I'm excited to talk about it because I feel like we're going to have differing views. Although I will say I'm probably going to recommend it, but I do have a lot of stuff that I want to say about it. Cool. So yeah, join us next time and you'll figure out each of our opinions. All right. Until then, cheers. Cheers.